This is the Employment Law Show. It is. She is correct. It is 632. It is Wednesday. Thank you for joining us. John Scholes here, along with Stan Fainzelberg, courtesy Sam Firu to Markin LLP. Just happened to be the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. So you can uh, reach out anytime. Rest assured you'll get some answers, some help and assistance. 1-855-821-5900. Anytime you feel like doing that and talking to Stan, that is how you do that. Or emails work as well. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. By the way, that's where we're dipping into uh, on the show today. We're going to get into the uh, the mounting pile, ever-growing pile of emails. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca if you want to send one along. You also have the free and anonymous website to uh, help you with all employment law matters, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But here and now, phone lines open for the next half hour, give or take. And to call us live uh, would be great. 416-870-6400. 416-870-6400. We are ready to go, so grab a phone and become part of the show. We'd love to talk to you if you have any questions. But uh, we always start off with Stan when he's done his renovations. We're going to get into the uh, the show for tonight. Pal, what do you got for the uh, the case of the day? Absolutely, John. Good to hear from you and uh, good to hopefully hear from our listeners. Looking forward to their calls. Uh, so just for today, I want to discuss an issue uh, that I recently came across, actually, uh, or came to me, I should say, from s- some recent articles I had writ- uh, read in the paper, specifically around the rise of bankruptcies and company foreclosures that mm-hmm. happened fr- in the last quarter and how there appears to be a rising trend, especially forecasted in the future. And I want to talk about this in the employment law context, John, because I find that whenever I speak to a potential client or client about these issues, they don't really have a great grasp of what that means for them and their entitlement. And what I want, you know, what I think is most important for people to know is that there's multiple ways. You know, just because a company is closing doesn't mean that you're not owed anything. You know, there's a difference between a company closing its business down because, let's say, they don't forecast to be profitable in the future compared to a company going bankrupt. Uh, if a company just closes its doors, and this happens unfortunately fairly frequently, where they tell employees at the last minute, they came out, you know, their minimum entitlement's strong, and that's it, and their doors are closed, and that becomes actually a problem just in terms of trying to find them and trying to you know, serve them with legal papers. Mm. Uh, but just because they're closing their doors, that doesn't mean that you are not owed your severance. Uh, again, a company going out of business does not mean that it doesn't have money to satisfy its creditors, such as former employees. And, however, a company going bankrupt, that's ex- frankly exactly what it means. It means that it doesn't have enough assets to satisfy its creditors. And unfortunately, employees in that situation become unsecured creditors. Essentially, you know, it, you know, you get placed in the back of the line with everybody else who's an unsecured creditor, which is pretty much everybody except right. for mortgages. Um, there is one third scenario here that, that is kind of an in-between these two uh, scenarios. And that's where the companies go into what's called prior protection. Uh, so that's essentially, you know, that what, what essentially happens in that scenario is there's a freeze in your entitlements. And, and a freeze, if you have a legal action, a literal freeze and stay of your legal action. And it gives the company the opportunity to try to negotiate it down with its creditors and its debts to see if it can come out of credit protection and continue to operate. And 
if they do ultimately come out of credit protection, your entitlements, again, that freeze kind of melts away, and your entitlements and legal case can move forward as long as they're not bankrupt and they continue operating. That means that there's assets to proceed against. However, if they are not able to negotiate down their debts and have to go into bankruptcy, then unfortunately, again, you're an unsecured creditor. In reality, that usually means that you end up with you know, very little, if anything. The one saving grace here, John, is that the government has actually seen fit to put in what's called the Wage Earners Protection Program, uh, which will provide employees in this scenario with at least their minimum entitlements to pay, you know, to give them something. Uh, but in that scenario, I mean, unfortunately, there's nothing to be done. The assets are gone, and really, employees are kind of up up the, the creek, as they say. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thing to navigate. If you're in a, a similar situation, you'll want to call Stan anyway. Again, one eight five five eight two one. 5,900, but here and now, 416-870-6400. Get to, uh, to Liz. Hi, Liz. Thank you for standing by. How are you tonight? Thank you, sir. I'm good. Good. What's on your mind? I'm go ahead, Liz. Yeah, go ahead. What's your question? My question is I'm working as a nurse. I'm in a currently on WSIB. Mm-hmm. But I used to work last 10 years, two jobs, one full-time, one part-time. And an accident happened in my part-time job, which uh, I used to work 30 hours, and the other job was 75. So my uh, WSIB put me in a permanent restriction job because according to concussion and neurology, I could not recover fully. So they put me in a permanent restriction. They make my modified job, which my hospital gave me the modified job. But I'm... Working 105 hours by pay period. Mm. So, so you're still working 105 hours every two yes. weeks? Yes. That was WSIB uh, and my hospital recommended. If I choose to work 75 hours, that's up to me. But they are not entitled to pay me my other job money. I mean, that is true. If you're not working the hours, they're not going to pay you for them. If you're, if you're saying that if they've given you the option to go down to 75 hours, you know, obviously with a corresponding decrease in pay, that's, that's, a le- that's legal in terms of what they're allowed to do. Um, have you ta- are you, do you want to have your hours reduced? Or you, what, what specifically are you looking to try to achieve? No, they... Ask me if I can reduce work by 75 hours if I choose to. Yes. The last 15 years, I'm working two jobs. So so my expense is uh, fully (laughs) work out with my all salaries, like my life insurance and kids' RESP and all those. So my money was good. So if I choose 75 hours, I'm going to have a lack of that salary, which is not enough for me. So with this, uh, like, restriction, I have to work uh, two jobs. But I don't know how long I'm going to work. So if I decline my health condition more, what's going to be happen? Well, if your health, unfortunately, I mean, if your health, unfortunately, declines, of course, you have WSIB that will continue to provide you with some sort of income in that scenario. if you have disability coverage, you may be able to utilize that. But it sounds to me like you're, you know, you're 
going through the right programs, you're speaking to WSIB and they've you know, instituted a return to work program and hopefully they're providing you with some supplemental income. If, if your income decreases, they can actually supplement that and you can speak with them about that. Um, otherwise, I mean, I'm not sure what more you can really hope to, to get them to do. At the end of the day, if you, know, if you can't get them to pay you for hours, you're not necessarily working. Okay, so once I, like my three years will be finished soon in end of the August, so after three years, mm -hmm. if something happened, WSIB is still going to give me therapy or treatment or anything? If it's an injury at work, of course, or if it's re-aggravation re at work. Um, if it's not at work, then you probably have to go through disability. Uh, it, I assume you would have some sort of short-term and long-term disability coverage if you're working as a nurse. So that would more likely be the avenue if you got injured outside of work. All right. Thank you, Liz. I appreciate that. You want to uh, reach out at a further time to talk to uh, Stan, you can do that. one 821 5900 But you can make like Liz and give us a call, get some answers. To your questions, 416-870-6400 is how you do that. Let's move on to those emails, as I promised, pal. And uh, Trina, first one of the uh, of the evening again. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Anytime to reach out. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Stan, an uh, employer won't recognize my religious exemption to taking the vaccine. Is there anything I can do? Uh, I mean, you can, Trina, you can absolutely try to go to the tribunal and and see if and file a human rights complaint claiming discrimination on the basis of that, uh, that they're not recognizing your religious exemption. Um, other than that, it depends on ultimately what they choose to do. If you're saying that they're not recognizing your exemption, then that means they're putting you on an unpaid leave, or they're putting you, or they're terminating your employment uh, for cause. Then you're probably talking about a wrongful dismissal case, going after the company saying that that was wrong, that policy itself was discriminatory in your case, and, and essentially trying to fight for your severance. So really, you know, those are your options. Unfortunately, there's no way that you can stop them from, if the question is if you can keep your job, ultimately that's the company's prerogative to, if they right. want to terminate you. There's not much you can necessarily do to stop that from happening. Uh, in the instance, I mean, with the, the caveat, I should say, John, that if there is true discrimination, there are certain, the Tribunal Ministry of Labor do have actually the ability to reinstate people, whether they choose to exercise that ability it's fairly rare. Uh, that's the one caveat. Let's get to uh, Benji quick before we take a break here. Bud Benji says, I feel like my company is trying to force me out of my job to get me to resign. What should I do? Well, Benji, what you're talking about sounds exactly like a constructive dismissal yep. uh, where the company is trying to create a toxic environment for you. So you leave and they think they can get away without paying you. Uh, but creating that toxic environment is itself a construct, you know, a termination. They're notwithstanding the fact that you're leaving, you're leaving because they're trying to make you quit. That's a constructive dismissal that entitles you to severance. So if that's happening, Benji, you should contact us. We can discuss your uh, your situation in more depth and guide you through the process. 
Benji, we appreciate you uh, reaching out. Uh, as you know, you always say, Stan, it's not a resignation, and unless it's done uh, unilaterally, unilaterally by you, you can't be told to resign. That's a termination, right? So, obviously, Absolutely. Benji is yeah, he's going to be uh, reaching out to you for sure. Stan Fainzelberg is your guy. By the way, I'll give you that number before we break. One eight five five eight two one. 5900 it is help at employmentlawyer.ca that's the email address we're going through on the show tonight but your calls are always priority so keep them coming 416-870-6400 416-870-6400 and we'll keep going after a short break the wednesday night edition of the employment law show welcome back to the employment law show all right, 647, welcome back. Wednesday night, we do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, don't you know? All kinds of chances for you to call in and ask your questions. 416-870-6400. Stan Fainzelberg is uh, our lawyer taking all the uh, the questions, doing the heavy lifting at that number. So bring them on. you still got lots of time to do exactly that as we whittle our way through the, uh, the email, the piles. Ram Sammy is up next. Says, my contract says I am promised a bonus based on personal goals. I got one every year for the last seven years, but my boss says the company can't afford a bonus this year. I looked at my numbers uh, are the same as always. Can they just take my bonus away like that? Yeah, John, how often do we hear these uh, questions about people, you know, and employers trying to take away their bonuses with no real reason? And, and I mean, of course, if there is no reason, if your numbers are the same, if the metrics are the same, if the contract is the same and the terms are the same, they can't just take away your bonus, Ram Sammy. Uh, that's a very clear, actually, constructive dismissal. Um, they've reduced your income very clearly, assuming that bonus is a significant portion of that income. Uh, that's a constructive dismissal, and you can choose to, choose to treat it as such and walk away and fight for your severance. Ram Sammy, don't hesitate. Reach out, right? one 821 5900 And you know the email address, obviously. Moving on down to uh, Ilya. Ilya says, what do you do if you have problems with your manager at work? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very delicate and difficult question in a lot of ways because it kind of depends. I mean, of course, it's, a, it's an intimate relationship. Some of you are probably seeing every day. And, it kind of, and oftentimes the issues are, are things that are, you know, kind of a death, death by a thousand cuts scenario where right. it's not one particular issue. It's the tone. It's the relationship. It's the interpersonal problems of just two people who may not like each other all that much. If that's, if that's the, the issue that Ilya is having, then, you know, the first step is to speak to HR and to, to have, see if there's a way to, to kind of break through that, to have HR to speak to your manager, to maybe have a meeting with your manager and see if there's a way to again, move beyond the interpersonal issues and that allows everyone to keep working and being productive and happy. If HR is not helping, if, however, you know, we're talking about much more serious interpersonal issues, things that are harassment or are potential assault or verbal abuse and things like that, especially if HR is not stepping in, then it's time to escalate the issue. And there's a few ways to do that. You can either try to escalate internally and mm-hmm. you can try to go above HR, which is, you know, a bit of a double-edged sword sometimes. You really have to consider what you think those people will say and whether or not they're already aware of the situation. Um, one, of, one other option is the Ministry of Labor speaking to the Occupational Health and Safety Department 
uh, and putting in an anonymous complaint about a potential toxic work environment where they'll come in and potentially do an investigation and hopefully, you know, address the issues. If you really feel like you don't want to be in this environment anymore, if it's really un untenable and the company is not helping, that would be probably the time to consider a constructive dismissal. You know, consider the fact that this is a toxic environment, that it might not be tenable to stay there, and that the toxic environment is itself determining your employment, allowing you to pursue that severance. I guess sometimes, though, and you know, and not everybody works for a multinational company. If you're working for like a mm -hmm. small mom and pop shop, and the manager, or the boss who you're supposed to be complaining to, is the one who giving you all this headache. I mean, they're going to have to go outside of the shop and contact you. I guess that's their next line of defense, right? Context is always important. I agree that yeah. it's unlikely in that scenario that the you know the company internally is going to help you. But that being said, you still want to have the paperwork. You still want to have it documented that you've tried to go through the proper channels right. because that, you know, again, bolsters the argument to say that this is a toxic environment that I, you know, I went to HR, they didn't help, they didn't do anything. In fact, they sided and they might even side against you and reprise against you. And that's only going to strengthen your case. So while I, I, I talk to clients all the time who tell me the exact same thing, you know, it's yep. pointless this is somebody's friend, they're never going to throw them under the bus, what have you. I understand that. You still want to document. You still don't want to give them the out to say, if only you had gone to HR, we could have, we could have done something about this. Yeah. 416-870-6400, the number to call in live now for the remaining time of the show. Moving on down to uh, Alex's email. Says, uh, does one and a half times pay for working on a statutory holiday only apply to hourly wages or other forms of pay as well, such as salaried employees? It applies to salaried employees, commissioned employees, however they pay you. Uh, you can figure out what your hourly rate is and your own time and a half for statutory holidays. There you go, Alex, short and sweet. If you want to carry on, uh, one 821 But uh, Catherine is up next. Again, the email address we're pulling from all show in between our calls, uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. says, Stan, I'm currently on LTD, and I've been with my employer for 20-plus years. I'm 62, and if I remain on LTD until 65, would I still be entitled to a full severance after the LTD cuts me off? So Catherine, I would say it depends. Uh, it depends, frankly, on what your medical doctors and medical evidence is at that point. Because if at the age of 65 you get cut off and you have you, you have some either evidence, a medical note, your doctors are supporting you and saying, hey, we think you should try and go back to work. At that point, the, co the company would have to make a reasonable, you know, undertake a reasonable investigation to to look into is there a job that can accommodate you? you know and if they say there is but they don't want to give it to you that's going to be problematic because then they're essentially terminating you and that might in fact be discriminatory if there isn't uh then they can claim medical frustration of contract and in that scenario you would still be entitled to a severance but it would only be limited to your minimum uh entitlements under the employment standards act so that you know there is no question you would be entitled to something if they if you're terminated or at the age of 65 if let's say you're cut off from ltd 
at that point, it has after three years, it would almost have to be frustration, or there would be a reasonable ability for you to return. Uh, in which case, you can try to do that and see how the company reacts. Got time for a another call and uh, Jewel from from Caledon. Hi there, how are you? Uh, good, uh, very eye-opening show. Uh, it's a, it's really, I appreciate it. Thank you. Good. Okay, my question is that let's say someone working either me or anybody else in a big company, and the company mm. got sold suddenly, and mm. you don't want to take that new company as your as your next carrier. Are you willing to take seven? And who's going to pay, the new company or the existing company that you work Great with? question. Great question. Well, it depends on what kind of sale we're actually talking about, Joe, because there's two ways that the company can be sold. If it's, if it's the shares that are being sold, then from your perspective, nothing is changing. You're an employee of a company. You know the, the shareholders are changing, but you continue to be an employee of the exact same legal entity, the same company. If, however, what, what's happening is what's called an asset purchase, where one company is buying the assets of another company, that actually automatically means you're terminated by the old company. By law, you're effect, officially and effectively terminated if, if presuming like you know, the company isn't selling a division and continues to operate and you continue to work there. If it's selling your division, there is no job for you at the company, at the company that's selling your division. That's discrimination. Even if the company that bought it, the, company, uh, the division, keeps you on, that's still technically a termination. You're just getting a new, a new employment offer, a new job, with this, the second company. So it doesn't have to be a constructive dismissal. It can effectively just be a termination. Even if the new company is keeping you on, it's a question of what, what's going on in your circumstances. Okay. But... But if you work there, let's say, more than five years, uh, are you going to get, if you don't accept the new company, are you getting the severance or no? You would, if it's an asset purchase, the seller of the company would owe you your minimum entitlements right away. Then if you have a new job offer from the second company, you have to evaluate whether you would legally be required to take that job. So essentially, if like if you're telling me they offer you the exact same job, exact same terms, nothing changes, you would probably be required to take that job. And if you didn't take that job, the seller can say you failed to mitigate your damages. You should have taken that job. Therefore, we don't owe you more than your minimum entitlement. Okay. If, however, the new job is is something that's different. If let's you know they're paying you less or they're changing some significant terms in your employment, uh, different hours, different job, what have you, you may not have to take that job, in which case the seller would owe you your full severance. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate that. You want to reach out any further, uh, 1-855-821-5900. That always seems to be a bit of confusion with people when there's buying and selling of of companies, whether you're offered a job or not offered a job, it might be think, oh, this is a good time for me to go back to school, but it's nuanced, right? Yeah, uh, it really is. I mean, the first step is always figuring out what kind of sale we're talking about here. Um, gotcha. Usually when we're talking about these smaller companies, it is the asset purchase, the one where there's more stuff, frankly, happening from an employee law perspective. 
And, and it's absolutely confusing. And I can tell you it's confusing not just to employees. I've seen quite a lot of sellers and purchasers screw this up gotcha. along the way. Uh, where, you know, you end up suing both of them because as an employee, you're saying, well, I don't know who owes me the money, but one of you do. And, uh, yeah. and the purchase, yeah, and they just screw it up and they forget to either pay out the employee or don't, don't hire them. Yeah. And that is it for another night. We're back in tomorrow at 630. Employment Law Show will join you then. Thank you so much.